Welcome to Reality Blows. My name is Nick Maritato. I'm Ashley Burke Roberts. This is a podcast all about reality television. That it is. And we are off. Thank you, folks, for uh, continuing to listen to us. We love you so much. Goodbye. <laughs> what if that was the podcast, y'all? Wouldn't that be fun? What if? Folks, are you a Patreon subscriber? Well, you gotta be. Go over to Reality Blows Patreon. That's realityblowspodcast.com. Hit our little Patreon button or patreon.com forward slash realityblows to go straight there. Folks, there's only one tier. It's a $5 bonus tier. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to want to sign up. This month is going to get crazy. This week is going right. to get crazy. Um, we're uh, doing some really fun stuff over there starting this week. Uh, super special surprise. Um, you're going to get a little taste of it. On this, on this little uh, Monday show, or whatever we call this, our our main show mm-hmm. um, over here. Uh, but uh, the the people over on the Patreon, boy oh boy, they're in for it in a good way. In a good way, in the best way. Yep. Um, Nick, how you doing? Also, rate our podcast <laughs> five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Yeah, come on, give us five stars. Somebody, somebody lowered their rating. Okay, somebody yeah. had a five star rating, lowered it to a two star rating. I wonder. Why? Am I the only person who notices those things? I don't ever notice them. You until... don't look. I'll look every once in a while to see if we got a new rating. I, I've never seen anybody readjust a rating. You've I, never you gone back. Have, you must have had to dig through. Well, I was looking because they had recommended a season uh, to watch of something. So I was okay. just trying to find what that season was. Was it because we didn't do what they said immediately? I don't know. Like two stars. I don't know. I, I find people's actions on the internet to be baffling. Um, you know that I got a negative review on something this weekend. That, that wasn't a negative review. It was a thumbs down. A thumbs down on a YouTube video is like nothing. It's yeah. like spitting in the wind. Yeah, but it's like, what are we even doing here? Well, I mean, honestly, you got to expect that if there's no thumbs downs on on your on your videos, I feel like you're doing it wrong. What the hell does that mean? I just do. I feel like you're just only you're in an insulated bubble of a bunch of idiots who just come and support you. You know, you need some random ass loser to just thumb it down because they're upset that day. You need some. They had a bad day. Weirdo to uh, hear something that maybe they were annoyed by and gives us uh, a re-rating of two stars. I remember the first time I ever got a negative comment um, on the internet from a stranger, and it was shocking. The thing is, is that you and I are compelled to make stuff and put it out into the universe for whatever reason. I think it's some sort of, um, maybe it's a mental sickness. I don't know. We we need to put our things out there. And with that comes the possibility of uh, backlash from some person in, you know, their house. They're, they're on their computer. They see it. They don't like it. They let you know. First thing I ever put up to the world as a hey guys come look at this was a 10 no five minute stand-up set i think you've seen it nick i think you've seen it um my first stand-up set went on the internet and hey if there are kids in the room get them out of there because i'm about to tell you what this comment said uh you don't have there been children in the room this time (laughs) this whole time folks I, I'm telling you right now, this is not for children. You don't want your kids to hear this comment, but they said to me, they left this under my stand-up clip. Wait, hold on, wait, let them get out. Let the kids get out. Go ahead, kids. Give them a snack and send them, them out. Give them a snack. Um, you know, why don't you put the nanny on for them, a.k.a. the television. Come on, put it on. Okay, good. 
Now it's just you and me. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this, this stand-up clip, again, this is the first time I ever did stand-up. I had no business putting it online, but I was very excited by it. And I put this like, I remember this stand up clip now. Yeah, it's bad. As soon as you said I had no business putting it online, it jarred my memory yeah. of which one. The idea of somebody, I know this is a crazy aside. We're going to finish this story about ratings and things of because I have some thoughts as well. The idea, and this is everybody's idea when they start comedy, they have their first five minute set that's taped and then they put it up on the internet for everyone to see. Let me just tell you if you're thinking about starting any sort of craft, whether that be comedy or whether that be painting or whether that be music, let the first one be for you. You know what I mean? Let that be a learning experience. That first painting you paint, just enjoy it. Maybe somebody comes in, they see it sitting on your table. They go, oh, well, this is nice. Who did this? And you go, I actually did it. And you go, oh, my God, that's great. You just started? Yeah. But if you put that picture up on the Internet, people are like, what the fuck is that? Is that supposed to be a bowl of apples? That looks like a bowl of shit. Well, that's a picture is different than a, a tape of a live performance. It is Because the live different. performance happens once. A picture is a physical object that stays in the world. So, you know, I disagree with you big time. What? I think, I think make stuff, put it out there, see what sticks. I'm saying hold off on that first picture of shitty apples, okay? The second picture you make of apples, maybe you throw that up on like a private Flickr account. Listen, I couldn't believe that I had done stand-up and that it had been filmed and that I had had a full set. I couldn't believe it, okay? And I still I, can't believe it. Nick, get out of here. Stop <laughs> interrupting me. <laughs> I'm your podcast host. This is what I do. I'm the color commentator. You're the main, and then what I do is I come in and I, I put the color in, in, here and there. I I don't, I, I, I'm painting a shitty bowl of apples right now. I don't think those are our roles. I think you just decided that those are our roles. Listen... I had actually. Those oh are, my god! <laughs> those aren't our roles. These are our roles. He just grabbed onto his belly. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, okay. I don't even remember what I was talking. We're about. We're talking about the first time that you put your your stand up set on. You couldn't believe that somebody had recorded you doing stand up comedy. Listen, it was not a good set. I was not necessary. I was proud of it then because I couldn't believe it that I had done it and I wanted people to see it and I wanted to share it on Facebook, you know? I had a video to share on Facebook. That seemed incredibly cool. You're like, I really need my weird cousin that I don't really talk to to see this. I really need that. I wanted everyone to see it. I was so excited about it. So I put it up on YouTube so that I could take that clip and plop it on to Facebook. And then after like a week or two... This comment popped up on my YouTube that said, this isn't funny, you're ugly as AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I was able to trace the person back to, like, <laughs> New Jersey or something. That they were I'll like, tell you what. C comparing somebody to AIDS, being the personification of AIDS, is incredibly New Jersey hack. And I could get into the origins of it and how I know that if you want to spin off for 10 minutes. Yeah, because I was I had never heard that before. It was shocking to okay. be as ugly as AIDS. Let me take you back to the early aughts. Let me take you back to, I don't know, maybe 2000, 2001, when a little show was on a little network, uh, a little station called... Um, 
I forgot the name of the station, but the Opie and Anthony show was on terrestrial radio. Yeah. There was a man named Jim Norton Uh that showed up as their third, their comic. And Jim, his act at that time was throwing buckets of AIDS on people. Ah, that guy looks like a bucket of AIDS. He's a New Jersey comic. Mm. People from New Jersey idolized this man and the Opie and Anthony program, okay? Because it was was pretty based in New York, but might as well have been based in the heart of New Jersey. Mm. All of the comics they had on were sort of that style New York comic. And uh, Jim, being the third on that show, was kind of the king of them. So all of a sudden, the way that he spoke kind of... Um, r- had a ripple effect in like the open mic scene of New Jersey and maybe some in Long Island, Philadelphia. Not so much New York City. As we all know, New York City is its own bubble. You know, they're doing their own thing. They're probably not listening to the radio. But if you're driving to work every day or driving home, drive time radio, you're listening to Opie and Anthony. And then, uh, you know, you have uh, Jim Norton saying that calling somebody looks like AIDS on fire. And all of a sudden, AIDS became this thing where it was like, yeah, tell that guy he looks like AIDS. It was like a punchline that people used, probably close to the amount of time that you were actually, close to the time that you were actually doing this set. Much later, but around the same time. So uh, if you if you said this guy was from New Jersey, you said that to you, I would say you were 100% right because when I was going to open mics in New Jersey, I would say there was 20 comics on the open mic. 14 of them had a punchline where they were doing something with AIDS, saying that guy looked like AIDS. I'm going to throw a bucket of AIDS on that guy. Stuff like that. I am in shock. You shouldn't be. That's what New Jersey, like Firehouse, New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, Philadelphia, South Jersey, like firehouse comedy is like. Remember you brought home a poster for me one day and that poster was just like a printed out uh, piece of paper that had a, had a uh, like it was a benefit show for firemen over at the firehouse. Yeah. And then the- Hosted he- by that dirty rat bastard. Yeah, that dirty rat <laughs> bastard was the name of the comedy. I guarantee you that guy had 40% age jokes in his act at that point. Wow. That's the type of guy- Okay, and then I used to go to these open mics as like a 17 year old and I thought it was kind of funny. But then I also was like, I'm much too smart for that sort of comedy. I'm just going to talk about my penis and leave it alone. You know (laughs) what I mean? I'm not going to go for, you know, AIDS style comedy. I'm going to go for like poopy, shitty, wee wee, pee pee stuff. (laughs) And I did that for about six years. But um, yes, uh, that that is very I don't uh, it it doesn't shock me that Mm. that was the comment on Mm -hmm. it. It's interesting. I'm just learning this now. I mean, we could have cleared this up, you know, when we first met. But yes, that is derivative of the Opie and Anthony program comparing somebody to AIDS. Yes. I I just clicked on his profile and it took me back to somewhere in New Jersey, somewhere around here, actually, because it was it was in the same sort of county as the farmer that I was working for at the time. WNEW. okay, 102.7. That is the that's where they came. My father will yell at me when he listens to this because he'll be like, come on, Nick, you should have known that. Oh, I'm letting you know, Steve. WNEW. Okay, 102.7. I had never heard anyone anyone put someone down like that. So not only was it a burn, but I thought it was a sick burn. But now it's kind of... It lit it's, quite literally. It's kind of, Yeah, quite literally. It's cool to know that um, it was just derivative crap. It, yeah, somebody didn't actually think you looked like AIDS. They yeah. just knew that that's what you say to somebody that you thought was shitty. Mm, there you mm-hmm. go. There you go. I asked the farmer that I worked for at the time, who was a New Jersey farmer, if he had shared the clip with his friends. Because <laughs> I was like, someone in New Jersey wrote this, 
instead of just realizing that like people search hashtags and that I probably did like hashtag New York comedy or something like that. And I'll tell you what, the person who re-rated us two stars, hey, thank you for not insulting us. You kept your rating, your your review there and just moved two stars. I would have hated to have looked and seen somebody call us, you know, shitheads or something. You Mm. know what I mean? That would have been insulting. But you just, you you didn't explain yourself. You just decided this is now a two-star podcast. What once was five stars a mere four and a half weeks ago is now two stars. I rest my case. You know what? They might have written something. I didn't read because I just was like, oh, I got to get out of the what app. What the hell? We got to know what this guy said. I went there to find out what show they recommended, saw that the rating had been changed, and then put down my phone and walked away. Folks, we have, you know, some people have five stars across the board, and I think those people are playing it safe, okay? Those are people who don't have anybody listening to their podcast. I know that we have people that we don't listen, we don't know listening to our podcast because when I look at the average ratings, we got a couple of one stars. We got a couple of two stars, okay? Mostly five stars. Here's how you know that we, we do a good show. Two, maybe three one-star ratings, people who are just like ambushing us, terrorists, I assume, doing that. Two-star ratings, these are people who I would never hang out with. They're not terrorists, but it's just like, good, rate me two stars. We're not hanging, you and I. No three stars, no four stars, all five stars. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? Most people love us, and they're like, of course this is a five-star show. But the weirdos, the weirdos give us two stars. (laughs) What a weird, what a strange thing rating systems are. I know. Why do they do, that's what I was going to say to you. This is what I thought. Do you have any other things you want to say? How did did that end? Did you take it off the internet? What happened with your YouTube? I took it off the internet. Immediately following that comment? I think I put it on private and it's now just hidden forever. But I actually don't know where that clip is. I I think that. Didn't I find it recently trying to go through some of your old sets for something you were trying to do? You found a different old set that I had to get taken down through YouTube's Mm -hmm. privacy thing because someone taped me like six months into stand up and then just put it online and um in on youtube and then it was just getting it was getting like a lot of views it had thousands of views this clip of me doing stand up with with six months of experience yeah no it sounds cool wow thousands of views but not when the product you're you're like i could never be like that anymore yeah that's how bad i am i have a question about the original youtube clip that you posted and then put on private yeah did you have the connection to your craft or were you in the headspace that you are now to where if somebody left a bad comment comment on like let's say you put up a funny video you've been putting up a lot of your film festival videos up on your instagram yeah check out ashley's instagram you could see a couple of the short films she's made the past couple of months say some some rando which doesn't really happen on instagram um goes and goes this sucks you're not funny right yeah Okay, that's what happened to your YouTube video. Would you react the same way? Did you did you react the way that you react now? I know this is like the worst question. I don't understand ever. what you're saying. Okay, I'm just saying like now if this were to happen to you, you would really be thrown into a tizzy and it would be a very tough week where you could not get it out of your head. 
that somebody said that to you and you'd be questioning a lot of things. You I would mean, say, now I would spiral and you you're spiral. asking, would I have spiraled then? Did you spiral then? I think so. I think I did. Like, did you yeah. decide, like, did you go, oh, maybe I'm, I'm, I shouldn't do this anymore. And like, where is your confidence shattered? Um, confidence was definitely, definitely hurt. It, I took a hit. I didn't question the whole, like, should I be doing this or not be doing this? But it did shake me. It did really sort of blindside me. And, um, you know, I think up until that point, because this is also just to date this. This is like 2010. Jesus 2011 Christ. 2011 oh time. God. So I wasn't using social media really. Like I had like a Facebook account. I didn't have a YouTube. Ch- I had... I created the YouTube channel to share that clip. So I had never like really just been exposed to the idea that like strangers can say mean things to you. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, that shook me. Well, let me say that that was 100% in 2010 11, that was 100% hack at the time that guy's comment. Mm. Wasn't relevant at all. It okay. had been years, almost a decade since that people would be like that's a good insult. Well, I wish Certain I could go sects. back and say that. Now, I'll tell you this right now. Um, well, actually, I'd like to get into this because I have something that's a little similar to what we're talking about that I want to follow this up with. But I have more questions about this. Or are you over it? No, I'm ready. OK, what about the Facebook response to that clip when you threw it up in 2010, 2011? Were you getting people going, wow, you're incredible? Or what was what was your resp- like? Did- I mean, it was thunderous applause. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was unanimous love and admiration. Wow. People shared it. People thought it was great. I thought, wow, this is really... People were sharing it? Yeah, people shared it. Who shared it? My mom. Oh, that's nice. I think some a high school friend. Um, it was very exciting. And Pe- and were you, like, were people commenting, like, wow, this is great, you know, keep at it, like one of those things? Yes. And then were you replying, like, thank you so much, I will? I think <laughs> I was liking them. Yeah. Yeah, I always, I, I've had, like, very strange um, habits with replying to comments. That's another issue that I have. Like, when you tweet something out and then people, like, try and start a conversation with your tweet and you're like nah dude this was a one and done thought i'm not trying to have a whole conversation with you you know what i mean is this something does this interest you guys at all um, well we'll, ch- well I- i'd like to say what i have to say about this really quick and then we yeah can please so so uh we were talking about this uh you know ashley you're you're un- unfunny as aids is that what it was no ugly as AIDS. ugly as AIDS. this okay. isn't funny you're ugly as AIDS. okay so th- that being new jersey hack yeah is what we call that uh just last night um one of my good friends sean uh texted me and asked if i remembered doing a show in New Jersey, where we were hired to be hecklers for new comedians. Meanwhile, we were new comedians. Oh my god! But like open micer comedians at this like little. It was like a like a night's worth of comedy festival. So I had um I told Ashley a story about this off pod, but I was in a short form improv troupe where I would uh, do improv and the games we would play would be just like a whose line is it anyway? That's how it would go. But before that, one or three of the members who weren't always there were stand-up comics as well. Me, my friend Sean, and my friend Gordon. And we would open the shows every once in a while and do – we would kind of rotate and do stand-up sets, do like five minutes up front. So my friend Sean texted me yesterday asking if I had remembered uh, doing their – they threw a festival, the play that we – the place that we – did the the improv show so it was like the Eatontown Playhouse either did it or it was just improv jam um 
think Improv Jam is still going on in New Jersey. You should check it out. But anyway, they threw a festival, and part of the festival was like stand-up comics were going to come on, new stand-up comics, and we were going to sit in the audience and heckle them. So I didn't really remember, but apparently one of the guys who was doing this is writing a book about, who did stand-up, is writing a book about all the times they bombed on stage. And this guy sent a PDF copy of this book to the guy who runs the Improv Jam uh, showcase. Okay, this guy, Mike, he's a great guy. Mike forwarded this to Sean, and Sean forwarded it to me. And it was his take on the night that he had to go up at this place, the Eatontown Playhouse, in this little festival to do this heckler show about being one of the craziest experiences he had on stage ever. And I read through it, and it started to come back to me the night, and it started to come back to me this event. And this guy, this is, I'll only bring this up because I'm talking about New Jersey hack. He was being heckled, and, and then in the middle of it, he said that he had cancer and shut the entire room up who was like heckling him and then like about three quarters of the way through still wasn't getting any response still bombing then told the audience nah he doesn't have cancer (laughs) I I remember this but that was a very like at that time like making fun of cancer making fun of AIDS. This is what comedians were doing in New Jersey in like 2004, 5, That is insane. That is not my experience with comedy at all. But like, I only mention this because I go, I remember this guy. And in his telling of it, it was, I said that, um, because he was chewing a lot of gum. There was like some lead up and he was like chewing gum. And somebody yelled, "Uh, why don't you chew some more gum? And then uh, he was like, I chew gum because I have lung cancer and it makes me feel better. That's what was what he said in this thing. Uh, and, a, and he said that everybody shut up. And you could hear a pin drop. They were thinking about how awful they felt for heckling some guy with lung cancer. Of course, I didn't have lung cancer. And I'd let them know at the end of the set. There was like some sort of redemption. I call bullshit because I know me and my, <laughs> my friends at the time there's no way we would have stopped heckling, heckling this guy. There's no way. And I think he wants to redeem himself. Besides the point, but I was like, I remember this. I told my friend Sean through text. I remember this now, the guy who said he had cancer when we were heckling him. It was like uh, we couldn't believe it. I was like 18, you know. And uh, he, uh, my, my friend Sean said, yeah, straight up new, classic New Jersey hack. And I was like, you're right. It is. Cancer, AIDS, rape. This is where all of the, you know, all of the terrible, like, stuff you see at an open mic when you're, like, at an open mic, and you're like, let's see who this guy's about. And then all of a sudden, he's like, does, like, a rapey joke, and you, like, immediately turn off. You're like, okay, he's one of these guys, these, like, shocky guys. I did not have that experience coming up in New York. It all started in, like, parts of New Jersey and Philadelphia. That's okay. where this comes from. Thank God from. I was not exposed to that. <laughs> I've never really been exposed to anything like that in New York, I feel like. I w- was doing open mic, an open mic at the Stress Factory Comedy Club every Wednesday for like the first two years that I started. And I was 17 when I started. So from like 17 to like 18, 19, um, I was going to this open mic. And there was this guy, I don't remember his name. I think his first name is Mark. But his marquee bit was talking about how he was a janitor at like a handicapped school. Okay, stop, 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 stop. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know. And about how he wishes that he had some mace on his mop 
so that he can mace the kids as they walk by. That was his marquee bit. Mm. And like four guys at the mic, like sitting there howling, howling at, at that stuff. That's what I had to persevere from. That's awful. And so luckily, me and a couple of my friends decided to make the jump from the New Jersey open mics to going to the Village Lantern and doing the, the New York open mics. And then we got to see a different style hack, which was kind of like the arty New York guy hack. I was about to say my uh, open mic hack would be like watching people do act outs of themselves, like act outs of being a flip phone. Yes. Like open me <laughs> and push my buttons. And I should, we know? should clarify, I guess, because not everybody understands. Hack is basically when you are a like a bad comic who's doing cliched material for their style of comedy, okay? You know what? I heard is one a hack. time- That's a, a comedy hack. I heard one time a hack being described, and I feel like this is the most, um, like this, this resonates with me the most in myself when I think about when I am being hacky, but I heard a hack be described as someone who is writing material for the audience, like material they think the audience will laugh at. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I think that's like the best definition of a hack. And that applies to me because I, you know, we both have jokes, or I assume you do as well, where you don't necessarily like the joke. Yeah, but you it just does well. know it'll do well. And I have an issue with that because that makes me feel like a hack because I'm like, I'm just doing this for you guys. Well, well, you know, there, there's differences there because if you were to do like a hired gig, like a corporate gig. Yeah. Well, that's when that's just me. I'm putting on my business pants. I'm going to go make some dimes. Well, but a lot of the times it's like, is, is Jane in, you know, you the people give will give the comedian like, hey, listen, Jane in, uh, in accounting in is always watching reality TV. And that's like the thing we talk about. So if you can kind of mention that. So then you write some jokes sort of based around that. And I think that's a little that's different. That's different. I mean, I did that this year for the um, graduating class of doctors from that, that hospital. Was a, that was like a roast, right? That was a roast. Right. Yeah. But that's like giving material like to roast the doctor. And then yeah. I was like, okay. And I did that. But that's not, that's different. That's like writing for a specific job. I would say if you take the easy way out in a joke, that is also considered hacky as well. Like if we all could see it coming and then you take that route rather than switching it up at the last minute and being more clever than the audience and surprising them, then that is also hack. I agree. And I think that the compliment of um, I, I saw it coming, but I laughed anyway. Bad it's like a horrible compliment. Um, and also doing stealing is also considered hack. Stealing if you're doing hack. stuff that is, you know, for a fact other people have done before. Yeah. It may not be like, hey, you're doing like, you know, Steve Martin's arrow through the head. But like, I'm going to make like a men are different than women observation that maybe I can't attribute it attributed off the top of my head to a comedian but we all have heard this before and that's pretty hacky but like how do you walk the line between um feeling like what you're doing could be hack and also maintaining like creative output like this morning i i, I tweeted something that felt like there was a second where i thought to myself like have I already tweeted this before or like have has someone else tweeted this? So I, I searched it and I couldn't find it. So I just went for it. But I think in general, that impulse of like, have I already said this before is sort of a good um, like guiding 
guiding point that maybe it is a little hacky. Do you want to hear my tweet? Sure. Okay. It was, um, should I find a new therapist or start another podcast? I literally tweeted that last week. <laughs> you son of a bitch. So then I was like, is I that think, okay, so hacky? I, I don't know. So here's Is that Twitter hack? First of like, all, maybe you said that you said that in another life. Mm, I don't think we had podcast <laughs> we had podcast in another life. Um yeah, you could never feel like ah, I must have done that in a different life when you're doing anything on the internet, right? Yeah, or anything concerning podcasts, that's for sure. <laughs> um so I think you hit it right on the head, Ashley, Brooke Roberts. What? I think that's Twitter hack. I think it's Twitter hack too. Because I think that formula to get a laugh, that same structure yeah. of like, am I doing, uh, am I doing something sort of normal, or am I doing something that literally does not at like, right equal to? Should I keep does reading not the equal news? To. Should I keep reading the news, or should I pluck out all my body hairs? Yes. Um. I, should I take my dog for a second walk today? Today, or should I kill myself with a hammer? What? So these things <laughs> do not equal. Do not equal. And that's what, what makes it funny. Yeah. Um, and also, like, what was the tweet exactly again? Um, should I find a new therapist or should I start another podcast? Therapist, podcast, both, like, I would say millennial hack words. I know. But the truth is, is that I thought to myself this morning, should I find a new therapist or should I start a podcast about anxiety? Sure. And then I was like, oh, well, I'll just tweet that instead. Yeah. Um, instead of doing and, either of those I things. Mean, and then there's that problem we were talking about yesterday with you were kind of bringing up the fact that is Twitter worthless? Do you feel like you get all of this adulation? Like you feel like you've kind of, you know, the kids have left the room, but you feel like, you know, you have this great idea. Like I'll start another podcast about anxiety. And then you just blow your load by just putting the idea out on on twitter and then four people like it one person retweets it and you go okay i guess that's where that entire idea goes yeah i guess um, i did it i guess i did it when you really have done nothing yeah right yeah or so you think i think if it was a well-crafted joke and people like it then you've done something mm. but i will say that has a lot going against it you're right the formula is twitter hack mm -hmm. and the terminology the the terms the keywords are millennial stand-up hack and so what you would do Nick Maritato. God, Lily is doing something so cute behind you. I can't even stand it. She's the cutest. What you would do, Nick Maritato, is you would just not put anything out at all. Whereas Possibly, I, yes. Ashley, I just put it out and then I think, eh, we'll see. Maybe see how it goes or maybe it'll inspire me to do something else. I, I have the need to keep putting things out. Yes, but the fact that you put it out as a tweet, you're never going to make do an anxiety podcast, and you're not going to get a new therapist today. Yeah, I'm not going to do either of you've those things. Done, you've, <laughs> you've done the thing. You know, it, you I know, did the thing. Twitter is like um, a heightened version of that thought, and I don't know who to attribute, attribute this to, but the idea of um, don't talk about your ideas because when you talk about an idea, your brain starts blowing out those chemicals that make you feel like you've done the thing. Yeah, that's huge. And then you get that feeling of like, I'm doing a thing that I'm, cr I'm creating a thing, but you never actually do it right? because you've kind of, you know, dumped all your serotonin on the on the Twitter is the definition it. of that. Twitter is like a, a digital version of that. Yeah. Where you're like, I'm going to write a novel today about poopies. Yeah. Why Six follow, likes. Why follow through with your ideas when you could just... 
put the idea on Twitter yes, and, and get the attention for it without actually having to make anything. Because really, like you, ha- you would have put out this anxiety podcast, and maybe in the first couple of weeks, you would have gotten four people to say they like it, one person to recommend it to a friend. And uh, really, you just put the idea out. You have four people who like it, one person who retweets it. And you're like, it's the same fucking thing, and I saved myself all the trouble of the technology. Good enough. Hey, can you pause this real quick? Sure. What do you want to pause it for? I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, I'm sorry. I made you say that on the pod. You know, it's fine. We're about halfway through. So why don't we take our official break right now? And when we come back, we're going to ask Ashley all about what happened in that bathroom. Okay, kids, stay out of the room. We are back. You know, Ash, before we get into any sort of reality talk, and I'm not even too sure that we will. I'll be honest. We, this may be a reality-less podcast, depending mm. on how long we get. Goes against the name. But uh, you had mentioned before the podcast that you kind of wanted to talk about um, uh, the reaction that your brother had uh, when we sent him his birthday gifts. Well, it's very special when I have something to tell you. Yes. And and let's remind the listeners who maybe don't know, you have a little brother. He just turned eight, and he, he's living in North Carolina right now. We're here in New Jersey, and because of the quarantine, we can't be there for his birthday, but the past couple years, we have been there for his birthday. Have we not, Ash? We usually go down in August to go see him, um, and we can't be there, you know, because of the situation that the world is in. And I'm excited, Nick, because I have a surprise for you, and I feel like I'm around you all the time. You you are a mirror to my life, Nick. And so when I have something new to tell you, I get pretty pumped. I'm very excited. So, Nick, you know a couple of basic things about my brother's birthday. You know that we got him two presents and we sent him a card, correct? Correct. Now, the presents we got him, they um they, they were they were good presents. I will say, you know, I was going to get him an explorer's kit which had binoculars and a compass and like a notepad, and then Nick looked at it and he said, "It's a little kitty." Don't you think? And I was like, you know what? It is a little kitty. It I mean, just had that plasticky look. He's gotten to the age where, like, he, you know, he gets these kits, you know, every year on his birthday. He'll get, like, I'm the scientist kid kit, or I'm the spy kid kit, or yeah. I'm an explorer's kid kit. And it comes with, like, a plastic this, a plastic that, a piece that falls off, a couple of stickers, voila. And you know what? I think your brother's is has gone above and beyond this at this point in his life. He's ready for the real deal. Yeah, you were like, let's get him some binoculars, some actual adult binoculars. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do that. And then I got him a sun kit, a sun print kit. Yes, which I think I received when I was a little kid as well and never did it. I had the same reaction that your brother had when we watched him <laughs> open it up over Zoom where he was like, what's this? And I'm like, you take it, you put it, take a piece of paper and you put it in the sun. And he's and like, let me a, stop you right you there. you put a plant over it. <laughs> Based on the way that you're, you're panicked, uh, selling this to me, uh, older sister. I'm not interested in this piece of shit. Meanwhile, that's all that I want is a sun print kit. You make some art. It's my two favorite things. It's art and science, art and nature. Okay, I think that's cool. Um, and then we we got him the classic birthday card. The happy birthday had a little mouse on it on the birthday cake. We wrote some funny stuff in there. And right before I licked that envelope, yes, I still lick envelopes. Living on the edge. Nick was like, hey, hold up. Why don't you put a 20 in there? And he pulled a 20. Hey, pop a 20 in there. He pulled a 20 out of his wallet. We slipped it between the cards, the card <laughs> that sides. Sounds, that sounds suggestive. We put the 20 in the envelope. We licked it. We mailed it. We slipped it between the okay, sides. Stop it. We licked it. <laughs> we mailed it. 
it gets to my brother. Saturday, Saturday we uh, we do a little Zoom. We watch him open his present. Hated the sun print kit. Clearly didn't say it, but he clearly hated it. Binoculars. He was more interested in the carrying case. Yeah, he thought that the fact they came in a carrying case was cool. Um, and and then Nick had to get up and do something. I don't know what it was, but he walked away. I take stuff to do. I probably edit a podcast. He walked away from the FaceTime, and at that point, I saw my brother open his card, and the look of delight, power, and surprise that came over his face when he saw that 20 was um, incredible. He loved the cash. Yeah. Are you surprised? Um, no, not at all. I mean, when you're eight years old, you get $20 and it's just like, it's like a million dollars. Um, the, the, when I would receive a $20 bill, I would, uh, immediately, uh, think of all of the candy that I was going to buy. I mean, it was just like, gotta buy that candy, gotta buy that GI Joe, um, gotta cross some of these things off my list. Thank you very much. He looked like he had stumbled upon a secret potion to help him control other people's thoughts. I mean, the way he clutched it to his chest and tried to hide it from my dad, <laughs> who surely is taking his cash and putting it somewhere. I imagine that parents do that. Yeah, he's uh, for some sort of uh, college fund, maybe. Yeah, maybe a college fund. Maybe just uh, my, my child shouldn't be out in the world with money. Uh, with, buying... with some bills burning through his yeah. uh, wallet. With a hot 20, getting some Pokemon cards. Yeah. My dad's, you know, clearly... Does he have a wallet? I don't think he has a wallet. It'd be funny if he had a wallet with that 20 in it and just, like, where his, like, ID and credit card should be are just Pokemon cards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here's my card. He pulls out a Pokemon card. Um, So it was very delightful to see him react this way to a $20 bill. I think I'm just going to give people, kids, cash now because it was way less than we spent on his presents. So it's like the the rea- I've never seen him react that way, and we have yeah. bought him intricate Lego sets. Yeah, that cost many twenty dollar bills. Many, many. And, you know, if he went that crazy for a twenty dollar bill, he'd probably go pretty crazy for a ten dollar bill. Imagine what he'd do for a fifty and blow his mind. Fifty, he wouldn't be able to. It wouldn't register in his mind. It's too far out there. You just immediately see him just run down the street with it. So a big part of this uh, this Zoom call was he wanted to show us the sign in the front yard for his birthday. My parents had put up a 12-foot billboard, really, for him. Um, I would say it was the biggest happy birthday sign I've ever seen. It was in the ground. It spelled out his name. It said happy birthday. There was like three-foot type figurines representing the things he loves, soccer balls, karate high kicks on the side of his name. It was so large. He was so excited to show it to us. Um, he was also very excited to show us the second sign. Yeah, he there was, was like a second little sign, and he was like, this one's mine as well. And we looked, and it was just um, like an ad for the the company that put up this sign. Yeah, it was like yard signs done by Yard Signs Incorporated. Yeah, he was like, that's my sign for my birthday as well. We're like, oh, you're <laughs> including that. That's interesting. It was, it, it was too much, in my opinion. I looked at it, and I thought, what is going on here with this giant billboard announcing his birthday? It was, like, huge. It, it was, was so big. Like, picture, you know, a classic subdivision in a, in a suburb of Charlotte. You know, it's your classic subdivision. And then the front lawn, I would say three-quarters to, to, to even more of the uh, length of the lawn was covered by two rows of happy birthday. It was insane. It was insane. It was the length of, um, I don't know, two 
two and a half Ashleys laid out. It was long. Are we getting in too much detail here? They were also tall. They were about as big as your brother. They were bigger. They were bigger. Some of it was bigger. And I was just shocked by it. And then Nick and I never really had a chance to talk about this. I learned that later that day, there was a parade of cars that came through to honk at the sign for him (laughs) for his birthday. What? That is what the sign was for. Because I was like, why is this sign so big? They organized like a social distance birthday hang where kids and their parents came by in the car and waved and honked and wished him a happy birthday during like a certain set of times. And my stepmom made goodie bags for the kids and the parents. Wow. So that's now I understand the sign. I was like, what is this sign about? Why is there a billboard? Now I get it. It was a birthday party on wheels. And would the people stop and chat? Yeah, they would stop and chat. Yeah, come by from this time from, you know, I think it was like in the afternoon for a couple of hours and you come by. So the sign was just letting people know, yeah, you've got the right house. Wow. This This, is his house. This couldn't be any other person's house. This couldn't be any other person's house. Now, that was what I wanted to tell you. I was very excited to tell you about the cash and the sign. And I got something else I'm excited to tell you about. What's that? We have a very, um, very solid rumor on the internet about a Survivor crossover to the challenge. Uh, I think I heard something about somebody being on the challenge. Do you know who it was? Gosh, 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 gosh. Is it somebody who's on uh, the current um, season of Survivor? The last one? War of the Worlds? War of the Winners? Winners at War. Winners at War? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, 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 yep. Ay, ay, ay. Who the frick is it? Natalie. Natalie. Oh, I did hear that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did hear Edge that. Edge of Extinction. Yep. Natalie is going to be on the challenge, which I think is so great. I think she's yeah. going to dominate and she's going to win. Oh, that's exciting. I'm so pumped. I think Jay was such a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting that they're going to start pulling people in from Survivor. They, the big brother has, has moved in to the challenge house. But um, Survivor on the challenge, it's crazy. I mean, all of our favorite things are cross-pollinating, and, and it's ex- an exciting world. I'll say that our our challenge knowledge and the fact that we are beefing up on our Survivor and, in a smaller extent, our Big Brother knowledge makes us very powerful in the reality world because <laughs> I, I've noticed most people are dedicating themselves to Big Brother um, or Survivor, and... It's only a few of those people who know much about both series, both both uh, stuff on MTV and on CBS. Oh, really? I so, feel like that's going to that that divide is going to narrow very quickly, just because the people. I mean, the challenge subreddit in the course of a year and a half doubled in size and went from like twenty five twenty thousand when I started watch, like being a member of it to about fifty thousand when I left it. That's got to be the Euro. Uh, situations right i think it's the big brother situation oh really i really do i think that the big brother fan base is being brought into the challenge i think once the survivor fan base is brought in that that gap between knowing about the different franchises will be um close i'm gonna say this i'm gonna feel like that people from the survivor fan base i feel like that they're not gonna come over to the challenge Why? as much I feel like they hold themselves pretty high. They're a little hoity-toity, the Survivor fans. They kind of feel like, you know, their show is real and um, 
the top of the heap and I feel like they kind of look down on stuff like the challenge. I feel like the big brother people, I think you might be right. Those big brother people are made for the challenge yeah. because that is a real messy, you know, uh, tawdry um, franchise, big brother. And, and, and I think, I think the challenge is really down in the depths of kind of reality uh, uh, competition reality. It's a little slimier than your average uh, competition reality show when compared to something like Survivor, which I feel like thinks they have, and I, I agree, prestige. Survivor does has pre prestige simply because people are in such dire straits physically. Like, if you are starving and having your toes bit by rats, it's going to be harder to go up to someone and be like, hey, why don't we um, manufacture a, a confrontation between each other exactly. so it can be a storyline? Yes. Like, that's not going to... That runs rampant on the challenge, you know, um, contestants producing their own sort of character arcs. That's not happening on Survivor. And I don't think that's happening on Big Brother because of the fact that there is a live feed in involved you know like the live feed it makes it harder for you to be a slimy reality television character because everyone's watching your moves also another thing that is uh, uh, another thing i like about big brother that separates it from the challenge and makes it feel less slimy is the fact that um, they do edit, they do air a live episode weekly. And what that does is it prohibits production from, um, what well, doesn't completely prohibit production from doing this, but it does make it harder for production to completely edit and change storylines when you're having a live element there. Yeah, it's tough to edit and change storylines. They sure can pick them. Though, they sure can pick because them. Because I'll say, I, I've been kind of keeping up on those feeds since this show started, This the current season of Big Brother All-Stars Season 22. And I'm seeing a lot of stuff that happens on the feeds where I'm like, wow, this is going to dominate Sunday's episode. And then what they choose to show is not that. So um, it is interesting. They only have, you know, 43 minutes every couple of days to kind of recap you on what's been going on in the house. And there's 20, almost, I would say there's 19 hours of stuff every single day being recorded of people talking to one another. So, and then you kind of, and they, they, they have to, they have to kind of space their stuff out. It's got to be like some strategy, some, you know, messiness and some goofiness, mm. you know what I mean? And so you can't really get everything you want on the regular show but the regular shows on cbs are almost like little recaps of what you've seen uh over the over the past week which i kind of like plus you get the diary room interviews and you actually get to hear uh, what these people are actually thinking when they're talking about these things with the other players but to go to your uh, back to your original point about natalie being on the challenge i welcome it oh yeah I'm trying to think of uh if there could be anybody else like age-wise that could go on that show because really the age is the factor. Mm. Um, you have to be, you know, a star on your franchise. I think for the most part, you have yeah. to kind of, you know, they didn't just take random ass big brother people. They picked big brother people who would fit in because they have star power and they, some of them won the goddamn show. And I mean, Polly, Devon, Josh, these are just incredible players. We went and watched Jay's Millennials versus Gen X season, and he was a star on that show easily. I'm surprised Michelle hasn't come over. So I'm thinking Michelle, but Michelle is not, you know, you, Challenge has really pushed competition 
style beasts on the show in the past couple of seasons. She won that uh, last immunity. She did clutch. She did, but those aren't the challenges that those aren't. You know what the challenges are when you're literally like lapping people on edge of extinction. Yeah, and and picking up a thousand fire tokens like uh, you know Natalie did. I mean, she was incredible to watch her run around and eventually fail, but. You know, you could never have a Tony on. You could never have a Sarah on. They're too old. They're they are. too old. They're, they they wouldn't fit in in the show. Natalie Young. Um, and I, you know who would be in fantastic on the real world is Michelle. Michelle would be like an amazing real world person. Michelle should be on Big Brother, y'all. I don't think have they have they ever done. I don't think they've ever done the Survivor going to Big Brother because I know Janelle has been trying to get on Big Brother or a survivor for a bunch of years because she wants to be the first person to run the gamut the uh, amazing race big brother survivor oh did she win amazing race i don't know if she won amazing race but she hasn't won any anything so she's been <sighs> set final final two or final three on the on like every season that she's played so far i think on big brother maybe two out of the three seasons so, and I don't, you know, I, if you guys are keeping up on Big Brother right now, I mean, if you've watched last night's episode last Sunday, you'll you'll know that m- possibly Janelle's days are numbered. She is up on the block currently, um, ready to be eliminated, and I think she will be eliminated. And I'm ready to call it quits. I've never gone, I have never fallen so quickly from excitement, elation over a television show to absolute disheartened boredom and disgust i mean this is i'm talking about a three-week arc here at most of me being so pumped to me being like feeling a little betrayed in a sense because i feel like there was you could see something so entertaining being teased a possibility for an incredible season and now we just have this boring alliance that's just kind of running the house and i i'm i will watch as long as Davon is there, I will watch. As well, long I as I think you're going to watch for the next. There. I think you're going to watch. I mean, does one of them have to be eliminated for you to stop to watch? No, as if Davon, Bailey, and Kaser or Janelle, if one of those four are in the house, I'll keep watching. But when those four are gone, I am out. I think it's pretty safe to say at this point, Davon's not going to last for the next two or three. Uh, weeks. I, I think she is on her way out based on the amount of people who seem to be conspiring against her based on her paranoia in the house. Mm. You saw that a little bit on last night's episode. There was a lot more of that going on that you didn't see. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I think the people that are in trouble, I think Kaser has a chance to be absorbed into an alliance, mm. kind of like... Um, Alliance's version two. I think like Tyler and a couple other people might kind of click up with him and then allow Kaser to kind of start doing the stuff that Kaser does to um, create a very strong alliance. My pick right now is Kaser to win this show. Wow. That's right. I know it's a long shot, but it, why, it wouldn't be fun if it wasn't a long shot. It's tough to not have a long shot in this game. My initial pick was Davon. Yeah. I feel like Davon has, you know, it's not good when you're watching the feeds and you realize that Davon actually doesn't trust Bailey. 
when it feels as though they were a super tight. I mean, first I didn't know about of, this. First couple of days, they, uh, you know, big thing. If you guys watch Big Brother, is naming your alliances. That that is a huge thing. And uh, they created Black Girl Magic like day three, you know, something like that. And I was like, fucking yeah, of course. Like they have like, first of all, it's 2020, y'all. Um, they're the only black people on television right now that have sort of an unfiltered platform on the feeds. They could just stand up and talk to the cameras if they want. Yeah. And um, people who are watching the show, and it seems to me that the Big Brother uh, franchise and and the people who watch the show are allies, okay? It does not seem like it's a show full of hateful people who watch this show. They are standing Davon hardcore. I mean, Davon's standing. standing. Um, they they um th- they seem to Bailey I think a little less so she's newer I, I think she was way less iconic on the t- on on I didn't watch any Davon's previous seasons but from what I can tell she came out of there like feeling like a dr a diary room icon mm-hmm. she gives great interviews uh, we know that she was uh you know didn't do much on the challenge but ca- made a huge print on the show based I mean she on got her, us her personality. You know, she, uh, she, Davon, Bailey, Kaser, Kevin, um, and to a lesser extent, David, <laughs> uh, all feel like they need to be there at the end of this season. It's very important. On the feeds, a lot of conversation about the fact that the program that they are currently on historically has no people of color or no black people at the final three actually no black people in like the jury wow they don't make it to the point where they can vote and so like they sort of have all talked about a little bit like how important it is for the representation for this show i think it's black men specifically okay maybe it's black men specifically and so that's why the david thing was very important because i know dave vine's been a juror and i think Libra. Yes, yeah. how long it's been since a black man has been in, in the jury. You're, yeah. right. You're absolutely right. But regardless, I mean, this year has been so fucking insane. But a piece of that has been Black Lives Matter. And so they have entered this house right at a point where eyes are watching. It's important. Day three, Bailey and Davon look like it's like, oh, fuck, they are aligned. You have Swaggy. You saw Swaggy's tweet from the first couple of days of the um, show. Do you know this about them? They apparently, Bailey and Swaggy had talked about it previous and uh, that a win for Davon is a win for Bailey. Mm, And mm -hmm. that's how Bailey's coming into this house. Yes. I saw Bailey's diary room entry where she said that. Where she was like. And and Swaggy backed it up. She said, this is how she's coming into the house, folks. Like. Yeah. We are going to win, you know. And it's like, wow, they're going to make a huge push. It seems to me that Devon is so paranoid based on her other experiences in this house that she is gunking up the works, folks. No. She's creating alliances with... She's 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 panicking, she's, and she's kind of in a tailspin at this point. And uh, it's putting her... It's making people aware of her. And in a couple... She is, a, she is scared of the fact that Bailey and Janelle have some sort of a pre-show alliance, and it has not allowed her to fully be enveloped in this black girl magic alliance Mm. 
That's a shame. They have a second alliance called like the Slick Six or something where it's them two and some, and that's not a very good alliance. People are like, I don't give a shit about this because people seem to not like Devon at this point. They feel like she's a problem in the house because she's going around and she's being messy. She went around and started feeding fake information to people just to test people out. She's very suspect and paranoid of everybody in the house. But I think she has a right to be because you told me she was feeding information to Danny and Tyler. And I think Danny and Tyler are the biggest threats in the house and that they are not fully committed to Davon. So I would be trying to suss them out as well. I think I think I don't have enough information on how this show works to know. But I, I will I will say that I... I it seems to me if you feel that way, yeah. the best way to play it is very cool. And That's if you true. look scrambly yeah. at all, people think you're scrambling and making alliances with everyone, and then they, they basically fill in the blanks. Mm. Davon was my pick. We all wanted it. Yeah. I think now my pick is Kaser comes back off the block this week, saved. He aligns with Tyler and Bailey Ian and Ian and Devon and some other people maybe Enzo sure Enzo I mean I think Enzo is going to win this show no no matter what but I'm hoping for this Kaser this is what I want okay I want Kaser to shed Janelle there was this conversation that Janelle had with Kaser where she basically looked at him and was like my son I am no more. Janelle, the Janelle is gone. I am basically a ghost at this point in this house. Why are you laying on the bed, my friend? And Kaser's like, you know, it's very hard for me to be on at all times. That's not my personality. She was like, rise, my son, (laughs) and go politic. Go be social. You need to overcome this. You need to get to the end. Kaser got up. And started talking to people. And I think Janelle leaves. And I think the spirit of Janelle is absorbed into Kaser. Mm. And he becomes the big brother player that everybody ever wanted him to be. I would love that. And it's his sort of Phoenix story rising from the ashes of Janelle. And he starts being social. He starts winning important competitions. People start liking him because he's honest. He's a great role model. He goes to the end. He gets all of the jury votes because he's a legacy. People want to see this win. America wants it. And everybody in the house of the jury will know that America wants Kaser to win. If he gets to the end, he wins. And I think he's going to get himself to the end. God, that would be amazing. Okay? That's how I think it is. And I think it's him and I think it's Enzo. And I think everybody votes for Kaser. Wow. Yeah. I would love that. There you go. That was such a, that was, that, that will important. keep me watching. It's if important. that happens, I'll keep watching. But if that doesn't happen, I'm going home. But then even better is if Kaser goes home <laughs> this week and then Janelle gets another week to s- stir shit up because she's already said, I'm not going to win this game. I know it. I hate floaters. I'm coming in and I'm taking people out. I'm taking floaters out. I'm taking people out next year, next week. So we'll see. I think it's a long shot if Janelle stays. I think Kaser will stay. One of them is going home. I think Kaser will stay. But I think either of the outcome is exciting. And I'm I'm, I'm trying to get you more jacked up to watch the rest of the show. I want to talk about, I'm, I am jacked up. You did it. Congrats. I want to talk about a tweet that Jemmy sent out. Jemmy, our, 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 our friend Jemmy from the challenge. She's watching Big Brother. 
And she said, hey, at HGTV, y'all should really consider creating a new show around Janelle's real estate business. CBS Big Brother is fumbling the bag per usual, so y'all should capitalize off their fuckery and give fans what we want. Wildly popular tweet. Wildly popular. Fumbling the bag. Do you know that terminology? I don't. What is that? Uh, It's when you fuck the money up. The Uh, bag of money, you fumbled it like in football, you dropped it. mm -hmm. Basically, they're like, look, we have have Janelle. She's such a star. We probably could have put other people in the house to make them, to have other targets rather than this huge, I mean, they came in with this huge target on them. I think people assumed when Casey and Josh were going to be in there and then that whole um, MTV alliance, that that was going to be the target and that's what everybody was prepared for. When Josh and Casey got removed for, I guess it was Keisha and um, Memphis. Yeah. Uh, that Or it might have been Keisha and David. I know Memphis was called in to Memphis replace and, Josh. It might have been Memphis and Dave, David, whoever it was. Um, all of a sudden, it was just like there's no target there. The entire target is this case or Janelle. Mm. And it's like they had no shot. So I think that is how they fumbled the bag. Okay. That was what my question was going to be was how did CBS fumble the bag? Because I want to blame them. Casting. I want to blame them. Um, but it also seems like you can't really blame casting for what like happens in the house. But maybe you can. You know, it's interesting we're watching this Survivor season, Yule season, Cookman Island. Uh, Cook Island. Cook Island, which is season, what season is it? 13. 13. And it's a very diverse season. Yeah, um, in the worst possible way. In the worst possible way. Like, hey, great. They have so much representation on television. Good for them. But they How compl- did that happen? They completely fumbled the bag. It's like, wow, this this cast is so diverse. This is awesome. Why did this happen? And it's like they divided tribes by race. They divided <laughs> the tribes by an Asian tribe, a Spanish tribe, or a Hispanic tribe, or Latino tribe. Excuse me. I'll get I'll get there, guys. African American, American and Asian, ca- Caucasian American. Yeah, the whiteies, the whites. And so, but it's interesting because when I am watching, we're kind of flipping back and forth between these two shows. These are the shows we're watching right now: this season of Survivor and this season of Big Brother. And when we flip on Big Brother, I am aware of how white it is because we are now watching the Survivor season, which is a is you know really diverse, and. I do agree that CBS uh, fumbled the bag, as you say. I do agree that they misstepped with the our money, our money being the fans' attention. Um, and I, I, that's why I'm being turned off by it. But if Kesar can rise from the ashes as this phoenix, I'm in. I think that's what's going to happen. Yes, this um, season 13 of Survivor, very exciting. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, Idols had, you know, maybe two seasons ago a year prior had just been introduced so the idols work a little differently you could play them after the votes are all counted wild so it's just like hey uh you're a person you're gonna be eliminated and the person's like nah i got this and they're like okay let's revote. <laughs> the fact that you can play your idol after the votes have been counted is so bizarre i mean there's no risk in that there's no is, risk there's no strategy in it but they fix it obviously but yeah that's kind of exciting they get sent to an island to look for the idol that's something strange that doesn't seem to work really Mm-mm. um but the reason we're watching it is because uh yule is the winner yule kwan is the winner of um of season 13 and he's my favorite person he's such a great person we listened to a bunch of interviews of him he's uh he went on season 40 just so he could raise awareness for als 
uh, research um, because another person that's on this show, Jonathan Penner, his wife um, has Lou Gehrig's disease and uh, is suffering greatly from it. And um, apparently, uh, you know, uh, they're doing this because their kids have a 50 percent chance. It's a very it's a sob story that's really horrendous to hear. It's really sad. But Yule came on there just to sort of raise awareness. And, he, and since then, he's read like $200,000 or something for ALS research. I will say Yule's my favorite reality Such person a smart after guy. only seeing him on half a season of a show and listening to him on an interview on a podcast. I'm like all in. He's in my top 10 now. Very thoughtful with his words, which I think is very calming. He and looks like an action hero and he has the mind of a philosopher. On this show in particular, the one that he, he, he wins, season 13... He is so ripped, it's unbelievable. I was not expecting Yule to look look that way on season 13. It is it is wildly fun. It's crazy how <laughs> ripped he is. I love it. Um, He's a stud. He looks like a, like a professional wrestler. He is very attractive, and he's also thoughtful, and he seems like he has a mind for justice. I mean, how did reality television ever get so lucky as to cast this man? I know. It's it's a, it's a wild time. But, I mean, the season, I mean, we learned about the season through his interview, and he was thrown when he found out. He said he went to casting, and he, like, went to the callbacks or whatever, and he's like, oh, my God, look how many people of color here. This is going to be an incredible... They've really done it. CBS has done it. Then they get on the island. It's like, you're divided by race. And it's like, yeah. what? It's very strange. Um, but it's also Ozzy's first season, um, Poverty's first season. Parvity. Parvity. Um, Poverty's. Poverty. Parvity. And then Penner's. And we saw Penner. Jonathan Penner. Candace from uh, Heroes vs. Oh Villains. Oh, my God, yes. Who does nothing. So many fun people. Yeah, it's a it's a good season. I mean, we're crushing through them. Um, it's interesting to go back to season thirteen, where the aspect ratio of the television show is tiny. Doesn't uh, bother me. Bars on the sides. It doesn't bother me either. But it is interesting. It's been a while since we got to see something in that manner. So it's kind of fun to be to do a throwback. Yeah. Um, and who knows where the rest of our uh, our television watching is going to go in this following week? Nick wants to watch Love Island U.S. You have Love Island U.S. starts tonight. I'm just interested in it because now I'm in like a Big Brother mindset, and I'm like, oh, this is a live show that's going on right now and do you get to watch, watch it. do you get to watch uh, love island feeds i'll watch it are there love island feeds i don't know there's not love island feeds it's is it multiple times a week i don't know i've only ever watched it after it's come out and i've only watched the uk version which is like 52 episodes in one season so i imagine it's every night uh, i might have to just pop it on a night and just watch i'll watch it um, we'll talk about it maybe next week but folks uh be on the lookout we're gonna drop a little something special on this feed um Wednesday, okay? And Thursday. Is it Thursday? We're dropping in on Thursday. Okay, Thursday. And uh, we'll, you'll know what we're talking about when we actually drop it. We'll talk We've to already you said it on the pod. We said it last Have week. We? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think so. Not on this. Not on this show. You think we only said it on the Patreon? I think we only said it on the Patreon. Okay. Super special surprise. We're, we're starting a new thing. Okay, folks. We will talk to you on Thursday. Yeah. Look All for right. us then. Bye. Bye. -bye.